Welcome back to the Canine Nation podcast. It's Sunday, October 15th, 2018, and this is episode 106. Hi, this is Eric Brad, and I guess I should probably talk about why we've had a two-year gap in the podcast, but I think that's a story for another time. I'd like to thank the people who've been downloading my podcast. It still seems to be very popular around the world. And in particular, I want to thank a few close friends, both on the Internet and here personally, who have encouraged me to get back to doing podcasts and get back to doing writing. So you can expect a few more of these coming out in the future. There are about 60 of the Canine Nation articles that have not yet been recorded, so I'll be doing those. And there'll be some new writing and new podcasting following on from that. So let's move on to today's podcast. When we got our first dogs about 30 years ago and brought them into our homes, I think like most people, we considered them to be something we needed to control, that they were animals that were going to cause chaos in our lives, and that dog training was really about making sure that our dogs didn't chew up the furniture or ruin the carpets. It was really all about control, and when we looked at dog training, that's kind of the way we looked at it, a way to control the dog to make sure they don't do all those things they seem to naturally want to do that we dislike. Puppies can be particularly chaotic. And each one comes with its own set of challenges, but we've discovered, as we've changed our training style, the problems seem to become less and less and easier and easier to solve. I think that's due to the fact that we've moved to a kind of training based on cooperation rather than confrontation. It's not really about control for us anymore. We're not trying to control our dog's behavior. Instead, we're trying to teach our dogs the way we would prefer for them to behave in our house and in our lives and in our yards. I read years ago in a book called The Culture Clash by Gene Donaldson that the dog's brain is about the size of a lemon. It struck me that given their limited capacity for information... If I'm going to teach my dog all the things that are wrong and that they shouldn't do, that could be a pretty long list. Instead, what if I taught my dog just the things that I wanted her to do? That would be a much shorter list. And that's what market reward training, based on science and behavior, has really allowed us to do. To teach our dogs in a cooperative way and to have a plan for being proactive about their behavior. But that brought with it something that we didn't expect. Working in that cooperative way produced a relationship with our dogs that went beyond simply getting the behaviors we wanted. It actually translated into something a bit more profound. Our dogs began to trust us and to be eager to work with us rather than being wary of us because we were following them around and correcting them all the time. And so it became easier for us to teach our dogs new things. I think what I'm trying to say here is that there's more to mark and reward and behavior-based training than just getting the behaviors you want. I think there's something a bit more important. This is my essay 
simple yet profound ways to get better behavior from your dog. It seems that no matter where I turn these days, there are people telling me how to train my dog. Television programs run at all hours of the day and night, with various experts telling me how to get my canine companion under control. A trip to the bookstore offers a dazzling array of books on how to train my dog, from well-worn titles dating back twenty years or more to more modern titles, some offered by those same television experts. All of it is aimed at helping me get my dog to just behave. If you're like me and the vast majority of the dog-loving world, you grew up believing the primary function of dog training. In fact, your whole relationship with your dog was getting her behavior under control. So you attempt to control or manipulate your dog in order to get what you want, usually to make life with your dog a bit easier to manage. When I discovered mark and reward training, actually clicker training, and the technology and science that supports it back in 2002, it fundamentally changed how I viewed my relationship with dogs and how I approached the first eight weeks of raising my new puppy. It was no longer about controlling my dog's behavior, but about communicating with my dog to help her learn the behaviors that I prefer. That may sound like a subtle and esoteric difference, but when you translate it into everyday life, I think it becomes profound. It quite literally changed my way of being present with my dog. Let's look at how many dog owners approach bringing a new dog into their homes. They seem to look at their precocious new pup as a cute, fluffy harbinger of chaos, chock full of behaviors that need to be stopped. Peeing on the carpet? No. Chewing on the slipper? No. Hopping on the sofa? No. Sniffing on the counter in the kitchen? Absolutely no. Life becomes a quest to be vigilant enough to catch the dog at the moment she does something wrong. It's a quest to control the dog. Do these owners communicate with their dogs? Sure, they do. They yell no. They poke. They shove, and even use a leash to pull their dog from off-limits items before they can chew on or sniff them. But are they communicating or controlling behavior? It seems to me that all this no business is more about stopping the behavior. Any communication that happens is a byproduct, just something that the dog might attend to the next time she finds herself in that situation, maybe. But what if you turn that around and try to communicate the things you want your dog to do before you get into a situation where you have to stop a behavior? Let's see how this different approach might look in real life. If your goal is communicating what you want your dog to do, you should have a good idea of what that looks like. Unfortunately, you can't just explain what you want or demonstrate it by pointing or acting it out. You're not a dog, after all. So let's look at an example. Let's say you're concerned your dog might end up chewing something you don't want her to chew on. Your first job as a communicator is to know what to communicate. Here, you have a choice to make. You can tell your dog what is not okay and say, "Not that." Or you can tell her what is okay 
and say, do this. An effective communicator will simply teach the dog what he or she wants the dog to do, since listing all the unacceptable things takes a long time. It is far simpler to say, this is the thing you should chew on, rather than following the dog around and saying, not that, not that, not that either, not that. When you recognize that your dog is looking for something to chew on, give your dog the correct item to chew. Here, chew this. This approach, however, does require some thinking and planning. If you're going to show your dog what you want, you need to be clear in your own mind about what the proper behavior looks like. You also need to be prepared to reward that behavior when you see it. And of course, you need to actually be watching for it so you know when it's time to reward. The obvious question is, what happens if you don't have time to work with your dog? You can't follow your dog around all the time, ready to drop a life lesson on her at any given moment, but it doesn't have to be that complicated. A good training plan with proven techniques can simplify teaching even the most complicated behaviors. Mark and reward training provides an easy-to-understand process anyone can use. It's simple, based in the science of behavior, easy to understand, and easy to do. It's also a very flexible way to train, and it takes minutes, not hours, each day to get results. Most importantly, it gets you thinking about what you want your dog to do and shows you how to teach her to do it correctly in a fun and rewarding way. Interestingly, it turns out that learning something new can actually be physically taxing on a dog. The mental exercise will tire your dog out as surely as going to the park for a run. So making some time each day to work with your dogs on learning can go a long way to giving her an outlet for some of her energy. The benefits of being a proactive communicator do not stop there. Regular learning sessions can build a bond of trust between a dog and her human, especially if there are lots of rewards like treats or play involved. The consistent success of learning what to do, as opposed to what not to do, can also help your dog be more confident, and not just in her owner, but in the world at large. Your dog will look forward to learning what works as opposed to being continually surprised, unpleasantly, by what she has inadvertently done wrong. The result is a happy dog who is eager to engage the world with her human partner, rather than a wary dog wondering when the next thing they do will end up being punished. When it comes down to it, the dog owner who wants to be a good communicator and wants to teach his or her dog is, in fact, concerned with controlling behavior. But that control comes as a byproduct of all the learning that has been shared with the dog. Instead of a quest to catch the dog doing something wrong, you are instead taking the time to show your dog how to be right. You become more of a partner to your dog. The result is that days become full of little successes instead of little failures, and you are no longer stopping behaviors you didn't want. Those behaviors are instead replaced by learned behaviors requiring less vigilance and only a bit of communication for your dog to be right. You can now enjoy your time with your dog and look forward to new things to learn together. 
Thanks for listening to the podcast. We have over 100 episodes available both at the caninenation.ca website and also available through iTunes and other podcast directories. You can also find Canine Nation articles at the lifeisahuman.com website or follow the links under writing at caninenation.ca. You'll find a variety of topics from dog science and learning theory to life with dogs to stories of how we work with our dogs. Canine Nation is also on Facebook. You can find our Canine Nation page where we post information about the latest articles, podcasts, and news about Canine Nation events. We also have a discussion group, the Canine Nation Forum. It's a place to discuss the podcast, the Canine Nation essays, life with dogs, and training our dogs, or just to share some information we found around the Internet in a spirit of respect and learning where everyone has a fair chance to have their say. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I'd appreciate it if you'd share this with the dog people in your life. We're available on iTunes, and you can search for us on all the major podcast directories. I guess that's all for now. Until next time, have fun with your dogs. 